I will do my best to convey what God has given me. I will do my best to get in, say what God wants me to say, and get out and let you enjoy your spring break week. Somebody say amen. Some of you were afraid to say amen. That's okay. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 9. Read four verses into your hearing, Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse number 20. The Bible says, and he said unto them, But whom shall ye say that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And straightly charged them, and he straightly charged them, and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man suffereth suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be raised on the third day. <laughs> he foretold them. Verse number 23, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. He gave them two or three commandments, if you will, there. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow after me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you will lose your life for my sake, the same shall be safe. And I want to preach to you for the next few minutes from this subject, what the world has and what the church needs. So many times we confuse and we say that the church has everything that the world needs, and that's, that is true. And I'm not going to debunk that tonight by any means, so please don't get me wrong. But I want to talk to you about something that the world has that the church needs. Would you put your Bibles down and would you clap your hands and lift your voice with a shout of praise tonight unto the Lord. seated tonight, so convinced that the Lord told her to build an orphanage, Mother Teresa was asked the simple question, how much money do you have? And in her humble reply to this question, Mother Teresa simply said, I have three pennies. The Reverend Mother looked at Mother Teresa and said, what do you expect to build with just three pennies? It has been said, and the story goes, that Mother Teresa replied to that question simply with three pennies and with God. I can build anything that God wants me to build. And with three pennies and with God's help, Mother Teresa went to the land, to the country of India, where she built the famous orphanage in the ghettos of Calcutta. She was so moved by the ravaged disease of AIDS that she came then to the United States 
and established an AIDS clinic in New York City. So moved by the loneliness and the poor and the tragedy that she began to build hospices and place, places for those who were less fortunate to go to and receive the medical attention that they so needed. When Mother Teresa was in 1979 presented with the Nobel Peace Prize, she told the press this statement, the most insidious disease that can play on the human being is the feeling of not being wanted. She gave, you see, her life to making sure that no one who came within her realm of influence ever felt rejected. She was passionate, she was committed, and she was dedicated to what she felt that God had called her to. So moved was she by the starving children that were in her orphanage that the story goes that she went to the local grocery store one day and she took there a couple of grocery carts and she loaded them up with food that was necessary to the well-being of the orphanage or of the orphans. She pushed those carts up and down the aisle. She began to fill them with groceries that the kids needed. And, and, and she pushed the carts to the checkout line, knowing that she did not have the money to pay for those groceries. Still, she got in line, and soon it was her turn at the checkout line. The cashier started ringing up the groceries, and the final total that she owed was over $800. But so moved and so passionate and so driven was she to help people that she said, you know what? I'm not leaving this line until all of you behind me come up with more than $800 to pay for these groceries so that I can feed the kids in my orphanage. Do you know what happened? The people who were in the line that day started to give money. And because of the drive and the passion of one lady, over $800 was given to pay for the groceries for the orphanage. You see, we're moved by the acts of Mother Teresa. We are amazed by her attitude and, we, and her commitment and her dedication. This, all of this just wows us and we admire her, but we don't want to be her. We admire her commitment. We admire her passion, yet we don't want to be like her. I'm absolutely convinced that God has not cleansed us. He has not forgiven us. He's not washed away our sins and placed an anointing of our lives. He has not filled us with the Holy Ghost for us to remain the same man, woman, boy, or girl that we have always been. God didn't bring us through a season of prayer and fasting. He didn't bring us through the awakening revival just to make us feel better and just to appease our conscience. But God has called us. God has chosen us. God has commissioned us for such a time as, as this. And it is His desire that, that we would be taking what He has entrusted us with and doing something great for Him. The truth is that our lives are framed by what we commit ourselves to. 
Nothing predicts our future or unfolds our past as does what we have committed our lives to. Your level of commitment will simply determine your level of success in every area of your life. I want you to notice what I just said, that your level of commitment determines your level of success in absolutely every area of your life. If you have very little commitment in your walk with God, then you're going to see very little success. And you're going to stumble your way through life, always struggling with the same things. But if you will say, if someone in this place would say, God, I'm going to do my very best that I can. I'm going to commit to you all that I have. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to reach out to those in need. I will teach a Bible study. I'm going to win a soul this year. What kind of commitment would you commit to the Lord tonight? With that kind of commitment, we will do great things for the Lord. This is what I understand tonight. Little commitment equals little result. But the reverse is also true. With great commitment, there can be great results. With your great commitment, there is no devil in hell that can stop you from doing what God has called you to do. But it's going to take us being committed to the things of God in the kingdom of God. God has placed a calling on my life. But I recognize that it is my commitment that determines how that calling will influence and shape my life. It's up to me. If God has called you or laid a ministry on your heart and you are not committed to it and you are not willing uh, to, to strive after it and you're not willing to push after it, if it doesn't consume you, if it doesn't let, make you lay awake sleepless at night, if it's not the first thing on your mind when you wake up, and the last thing on your mind when you go to bed, then you're not committed to it. But if you will take what God has asked you to do, and you get a commitment in your heart and says, I don't care how hard it is, I don't care what someone may say, and I don't care what someone may think, but I am going to commit to do the best I can with what God has given me. Would you clap your hands to the Lord tonight? takes that kind of commitment. Every child of God has to be committed to their walk with God. If you want to see the miraculous in your life, then you're going to have to be committed to the miraculous. If you're committed to walking in a higher level of anointing than you've ever walked in before, then you're going to have to be committed to live in that anointing. You're going to have to be committed that when I get up in the morning, the first thing that I'm going to do when I plan my day, I'm going to make sure that everything is planned around what God desires for me for that day. If it's winning a soul, then what's going to have to be on my mind first thing in the morning is who can I reach? Who can I tell about the goodness of God? Who can I witness to? If that is your desire, it's going to take commitment on your part to do all that God has asked you to do I'm passionate tonight passionate tonight 
We, I was preaching at Brother Rodriguez's this morning. I see we have guests from Brother Rodriguez's. Thank you for being with us tonight. It's an honor to have you. But we were praying. We were uh, in service. Brother Rick Abbott went with me this morning, and uh, he didn't know it, but there was an impromptu testimony from Brother Abbott. He got called to the pulpit and had to testify before the whole church. And he did a great job talking about where God's brought him from and what God has done in his family. And I'm so thankful for that. We were in service. I'm so passionate. We were in service this morning. And Brother Killian, Brother Carl Killian, taught a great Bible lesson in the Sunday school class this morning. What kind of Christian are you? So, or so you call yourself a Christian. And it challenged us. And it and it, it it touched me deeply and caused me to think of what kind of Christian that I am. Am I really what I say that I am? But then we went into worship service, and the praise team began to crank it up. The music was cranking, and suddenly everybody in that church began to just worship a little bit. And before you know it, the service broke out. There were people dancing all over the the, the, the front of the church one was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and we had a visitation of God but listen that didn't just happen but it took a group of people that were committed and saying I may not feel like it today I may have a headache I may be down in my body but I'm committed to having a move of God in my life today what kind of church would we have what kind of church would we have tonight? What kind of service would we have? What kind of move of God would we have if everybody was committed? If everybody walked in this place and said, we've come with one mind and one accord, and we've come with one purpose tonight, and that is to come in contact with the presence of Almighty God. The Spirit of God just swept through this congregation, and I'm so thankful for it, but only some of us were committed. What would happen if we all got in one mind, in one accord, and committed to say, hey, I'm going to worship tonight. I'm going to praise God tonight. I'm going to see that we have revival in this church. Going to a building program. It's going to take commitment on our parts. It's going to take men and women that are committed to the cause. We want to reach our city. We want to be effective in our community. We want to be a beacon in this community. But it's going to take commitment on our part. God has placed a calling on everyone. One of our lives. But listen, we will never experience what God has called us to do if we just go through life and we just go through the motions being half committed, being half hearted about what God wants us to do. If we're just half hearted about reaching our community, if we're just half hearted about seeing revival, if we're just half hearted about seeing miracles, signs, and wonders, if we have very little commitment, then we're going to see very little success. And we'll never live in the realm that God has intended for us to live in. But if you will commit yourself, if you will say even if nobody else will follow, I will do what God has called me to do. I will do what you want me to do, God. The world, hear me tonight, is not afraid to ask you to make a commitment. AT&T says... I'll sell you this phone at a reduced price. I'll give it to you. And you can use our network. And you can use our towers. And you can use our phone. 
but we're going to require a one or two year commitment from you. Every year, every month, every month that bill's going to come in the mail and we're going to have to pay that bill if we want to use that cell phone. You're going to have to sign a two year contract if you're going to use our system. If you're going to use, if you're, if you're going to have our name attached to it, you're going to have to make a commitment to the company. I want you to understand that the world is not intimidated to ask us to make a commitment. You can't buy a car. You can't buy a house without signing your name and saying that you commit yourself to this. But when it comes to the church, all too often we are not willing to commit. We'll commit to everything else. We'll give to everything else. We'll give our lives and our time to everything else. But we don't want to commit to the church. We'll commit to our jobs. And we'll commit to, to climbing the corporate ladder. And we'll commit at working hard to having a nicer car. And we'll work and we'll commit to working harder to have a nicer house. And we'll commit to working hard so that we can give our kids everything that we can give them monetarily and on this earth. But we don't want to commit to the church. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing outreach Saturday. Saturday morning I want to sleep in. I have too much to do. I have too many things going on. Got too many irons in the fire. I've got this and I've got that, and I don't really have enough time to commit to the church. But listen, if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be, and if we're going to be a pillar and a beacon in this community, but if the church is to succeed in evangelizing our city and our world, then it's going to take some men and women. It's going to take some young people alike to stand and say that I'm willing to commit like I have never committed to Him before. I will do what God has asked me to do. And Morris once gave a quote, and I do quote her when I say the irony of commitment is that it's deeply liberating in work, in play, in love. The act frees you from the tyranny of your internal critic, from the fear that likes to dress itself up and parade around like uh, rational hesitation. To commit is to remove your head as the barrier to your life. Do you understand that tonight? To commit is to remove your head, to remove your thinking as the barrier from your life. The world is not afraid to ask for commitment. Yet, we don't seem to want it in the church. I worship when it's the song I like. Or I worship when the song's the right tempo. I worship as long as so-and-so's leading. I worship as long as so-and-so is preaching. If pastor's not in the pulpit, then I'm not going to worship. And I don't, I don't even know that I'm going to, to, to go to church. But can I tell you tonight, there has to be a radical commitment that comes across the church that says, I'm in this for the long haul. There, there, there isn't a devil. There isn't a beast that can rip me away from my commitment to God. Nothing shall separate me 
from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 1. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't be half-hearted. You can't be wimpy. It's no time for the church to be weak. It's no time for the church to be up one day and down the next day. But you have to have a made up mind that I'm not going back to where I was last year. I'm not going back to where God freed me from. I'm not going back because I'm committed to the cause of Christ. We are so emotionally driven. Hollywood has gotten good at playing on our emotions. Nashville has gotten good at playing on the emotions of people that listen to their songs. They'll paint the picture just right in their movies and in their music. So good, in fact, that it will begin to play with our emotions. And before long, you become emotionally involved. But the danger of that is simply this. It is that when our emotions become involved, if we're not careful, we can begin to compromise. When we allow the world and what it has to offer us with all of the sin and immorality to become, begin to affect us emotionally, we will find ourselves in a state of compromise. What we once knew as wrong, we now sympathize with. That lifestyle that we once saw as an abomination, we now sympathize. I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. We now sympathize with it because we don't want to offend somebody. What we used to shy away from is what we are now drawn to. We are now attracted to it. But we need to be like John the Baptist who was considered by many as wild, barbaric, and insane, and even out of his mind. But he was committed. The Bible describes him like this. One voice crying out in the wilderness. But John didn't wait to see who was going to commit with him. He didn't wait around to see if those around him would get involved. He didn't even wait for the other disciples to join him. But John said, I may be the only one, but I am going to be a voice for God in this dark world. Hey, tonight, I may be the only one that will stand up and declare the goodness of God, but I am committed to preach the gospel and to win a lost and dying world. We're going to be the church. I've talked today in Lafayette about the church. And I've talked into this, in this local assembly about the church being a hospital. For the hurting, and the dying, and the wounded, and the weak. That's what God is intended for us to be. But listen, we'll never live up to what God has asked us to do or asked us to be if we will not commit ourselves to the cause. Forgive me for this reference, but I came across this last night in my study. John Bon Jovi once said, Passion, not pedigree, will win out in the end. Passion, not pedigree, is what will win out in the end. Somebody that, has, that is passionate, 
Somebody who is on fire and is so hungry for God to use them. Somebody that is so passionate about the gospel of Christ, if that is you, then there is nothing that can stop you, that can stop anybody who says, I may not have the right last name, and I may not even live on the right side of the tracks, but God, fill me up and set me on fire so that I can do something great in your kingdom. The late G.A. Mangan heard him once made one of the greatest statements that I believe I have ever heard when he said the apostolic passion is an intentional, deliberate choice. Apostolic passion is an intentional and a deliberate choice. That simply means that you and I are going to have to make up our minds on what we are going to get involved with. I know people who are involved in so many things and they've cluttered their lives with so many cares of this world and they're involved in so many things. They are so dedicated and so committed that they would even be willing to lose everything that they have for their cause. There are drug addicts that are so committed to their lifestyle that they will even steal from those that are closest to them in order to feed their addiction. They have lost their sense of direction and their sense of reality. God help us in this day and in this hour in which we live to be committed to the cause of Christ, to be intentional and deliberate about our passion of winning the lost, to be intentional and deliberate in our passion of being committed to the kingdom of God. God, give us a passion that says if nobody else lives for you, God, I'll live for you. I'm not looking to win a popularity contest. I'm not concerned about what the world has to offer. In fact, you can take this whole world, but just give me Jesus. You can strip me of everything I have accumulated in this world, and that's fine as long as I have Jesus in my life. I'm talking about commitment tonight. I'm talking about a church that's committed. I'm talking about a people that's committed. Committed to winning the lost. Committed to outreach. Committed to teaching a Bible study. Committed. Committed. And forgive me, I'm not patting myself on the back tonight and my wife committed to reaching out to somebody who's in need. Well, you come across them every day. You miss opportunities every day. You come in contact with people every day. But how committed are we? How committed are we to say, it may be embarrassing, it may be uncomfortable even, and I may be rejected, and I may be laughed at, and I may be mocked. But listen, if you are mocked and you're laughed at, then you're in good company because they mocked and they laughed at Jesus when He came to this world. But listen, He was committed. He was committed to go to a cross on Calvary, and He was committed to shed His blood for you and for me. That's the kind of commitment that it's going to take if we are going to 
to be the church of the living God and we're going to reach this world and we're going to reach this city. We're going to have to be committed to the cause of Christ. Committed to the apostolic message and the apostolic doctrine. We're going to have to be committed to holiness and separation from the world. Oh, we thank we thank that because, because that we have a neckline up to our chin, we have sleeves down to our, our wrists, and we have skirts, ladies, down to our ankles. You're committed to holiness, but we think it's all about the holiness. I'm committed to this thing. But listen, I heard a preacher once say that, that holiness was never intended to be the treasure. But holiness was put there to protect the treasure. Sometimes we've got it so wrong. It's all about our holiness. It's all about how holy we are. It's all about how many times a week that we come to church. And I think that we ought to be in church every time the doors are open. But listen, if we're not committed to God in every other area of our life, if we're not committed to read our, the Word of God at home, and we're not, com- we're not committed to pray at home, and we're not committed to live the lifestyle at home, then it's all for naught. But it's going to take us being committed that no matter who we're around and no matter if we're alone or with a group of people that we're going to be committed to the cause of Christ it's not about our holiness and I'm glad that we preach holiness I'm glad we stand for righteousness but it's about our commitment to the things of God I'm quickly drawn to a close I look at this church and I think about the elders who are no longer with us because they have gone on to their reward. But they worked, they labored, and they sacrificed so that we could have what we have today. I was on the roof yesterday. Brother Wayne, thank you so much for leading that project for the men that worked uh, yesterday on the roof and at the campus, the men and women. I thank you so much for your dedication. I thank you so much for sacrificing your time. But as I was working on that, on that roof, my mind began to reflect and I thought about, I believe it was in 1972 that this building was built, 72, 74, somewhere around there, about the men that sacrificed to build what we have today. Yes, we've outgrown it. Yes, it needs some work, but it's a good building. It's a good church. And I thank God for the men and the women. But, but I, I begin, Grandpa, to, to, to think about the elders who have gone on. And I was on that roof, and I begin to think about Uncle Merrill Fishback. And I began to think of of men like Herb Price. And I thought Sister Nancy of Only Rutledge. And I thought about Clarence Percival. I thought about Brother Myers. I thought about Brother Dick Clark. I thought about Roger Clark. I thought about Keith Copas, men that, that, that shed their blood, sweat, and tears so that there could be a church in a building in Frankfort, Indiana, where the gospel, where the apostolic message was being preached. They taught their families by example. They taught their children and their family to love the things of God. They taught the importance of a church. They taught us, and they didn't just teach their children, but they taught the rest of us to love and to cherish the church. And they handed 
us. They handed to us with care the very thing that they had committed their lives to. They begin, uh, they begin to work so that they could pass down to us a nice building. I, I'm working though and I'm laboring uh, today doing what I do. Working around the church. Being involved in the church not for my own benefit and not just so that someone could look at me and said, well he's doing a good job. He's committed. But I'm working because that one day I'm going to pass these things down to my boys. And, 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 God, and God willing one day they're going to pass it down to their children you pass down the building you can teach them to love the apostolic message and you can teach them to love holiness and separation from the world and we can pass down these things but one thing that pastor cannot pass down one thing that our bishop can't pass down and one thing that I can't pass down is a passion for the things of God out of everything that I can give my boys there is one thing that I can't give them and that is a passion for what has been placed inside of them every generation hear me tonight has to find their own passion I can't give you passion you can't give me passion pastor can't give me passion but we have to get we have to get our own passion that is on the inside of us and we have to get it for ourselves i wish to god that I could give you passion. I wish to God that pastor could give you passion. I wish that I could give my boys the passion that I have in my own life. As much as I would like to. The only thing that I cannot pour into you or into anybody else is a fresh passion for God. That is something that can only come from you. There's going to have to be something that rises on the inside of you and on the inside of me that says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than cars and houses. I'd rather have Jesus than money in the bank. I'd rather give my boys Jesus than I would all the money in the world. I'd rather give my family Jesus than I would giving them the best house and the biggest house that I could possibly afford because I am committed that no matter what my family does, no matter what my boys do when they are grown and on their own, I am committed to this thing and I'm going to work and I'm going to labor and I'm going to fight for what God has placed in my hands. men and women are gone I'd like to see Sister Rutledge again I see Brother Rutledge I'd like to have it be me that Sister Rutledge poked with a hat pin in the foyer of the church I'd like to sit down with them one more time and say pour into me 
Speak your passion into my life. Give me what you have. Let me feel what you feel. Let me have the dedication that you have. I'd like, and forgive me tonight, I would like nothing more than to sit down and talk to my grandmother one more time and say, Grandma, I know that you weren't a woman of many words, but I know that you love God. I know that you love the church, and I know that you did your best to teach your family to love and respect the things of God. And I would love to tell her, Grandma, why don't you give me a little bit of what you have, but there's nothing that she could do for me because if I'm going to have passion, it's going to have to be birthed on the inside of my own heart. It's going to have to come somewhere from way down that God has birthed in my heart. I'm going to have to have a love for the things of God that far surpasses the love for anything of this world. You can take everything from me in this life. And I'm closing tonight. You can take my house. You can take my car. I give it to you. If you want to pay the bills, you can take my bank account that doesn't have very much money in it. You can, re- you can take my retirement account that I don't have. You can take my popularity. You can take all this from me, and I'll gladly give it to you. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Though none go with me, the song says, still I will follow. He's all that I need. I'd rather have Jesus than all the money in the world. And hear me tonight. That's the kind of passion to be willing, like Mother Teresa did, to go to a foreign country and to build something, commit to build something for the needy and the hurting and the outcast and the hopeless and the hungry and the hurting. And say, I'm committed to do whatever I have to do to do what God has called me. That's the kind of passion that we have to have. George Barner, a Christian researcher, said, and I read this last night, people are fed up with a church that doesn't ask them for anything. Religion has become so easy. People are going to churches all across the world, all across America, that doesn't require anything of them. They flock to Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, where the Houston Rockets used to play that seats somewhere around 20,000, 25,000 people. And they will pack it, in, pack it up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because people are looking for a feel-good message and they're looking for a religion that doesn't ask anything of them. And this researcher 
When all of his research said that people are fed up with a church that doesn't ask anything of them. They are fed up with going to church. And then the church just pats them on the back and tells them that Jesus loves you. You're going to heaven if you just say the Lord's Prayer. You pray a prayer of repentance and you're going to heaven. God understands you. Jesus knows where you are. And they come service after service. And nothing is required. And they go home with the same issues and the same problem. And the same lack of commitment that they had before they ever came to church. There has to be a time that you recognize where you are. We recognize where we are and say, God, I know my life's a mess. But I have to take, take responsibility for my own life and my own future. And God, I'm not going to sit here and wait for someone to drag me through the pearly gates. And I'm not going to sit here and wait for someone to beg me. And I'm not going to sit here and wait for pastor to beg me to do something for God. I'm not going to sit here and wait for pastor to say, would you work in this ministry? Would you work in this, in, this, in this area of the church? Listen, I am so privileged to serve in the capacity that I serve in this church. And I don't take it lightly. And I'm honored. I'm truly honored. And I truly love this church and everybody in it. But listen, if I never stood behind a pulpit again, if I didn't have a place to work in the church. I'm so committed to, the, to God and the kingdom of God and I'm so committed to this church that if it was just scrubbing a toilet, if it was just mopping a floor, anything that I could do for the kingdom of God to, to, to use the abilities and to use what God has given me. You know why? Because I have a commitment that was birthed by men. It was birthed by men. It was birthed by elders. I saw them working. I saw them doing it. I saw them gather night after night working their fingers to the bone because they were committed to the things of God. They could pass down that commitment. They could give that to me. They could give me this building. They could give me this pulpit. They could give me everything on this platform. But I have to be committed for myself and I have to be passionate for myself. There has to, buddy, has to be someone that will stand and say, I'm tired of having no passion. I'm tired of having no anointing. I'm tired of not being delivered. I'm tired of not having a breakthrough. The church and God is asking for us to make a great commitment. It's time 
that we somehow get a passion that consumes us. That we get a passion that drives us. A passion that causes us to do something great for God. A passion that causes us to say, if you will put in me, God, I won't stop until the world, until my family, until my friends, until my co-workers have touched and have known you. God, if you will give me that passion that burns in my heart. To where I'm just consumed with doing something great for you. Stand with me tonight. One thing that I appreciate about Jesus is that he never lowered the bar for anyone. What do you mean by that? The Bible tells us that the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asked, what can I do? And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, from my youth have I obeyed the Ten Commandments. I haven't lied, I haven't killed, and I haven't stolen. What can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? See, Jesus never looked at him and said, you remember when you were eight years old and you lied to your mom? See, you broke the Ten Commandments right there. He never, Jesus never disputed the fact of what the man said. But Jesus simply said, there is one thing that you lack. One thing thing that you lack. He said, go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. The Bible tells us that Jesus looked at him and he had love and compassion for him. But the man, because he had such great wealth and possessions, Bible tells us that he turns and he walks away sorrowfully. You don't read where Jesus yells for the man to stop and tells him, wait, hold on, I'm just kidding. Hold on, I'm just joking with you. You're a great guy and we need people like you. You don't ever see Jesus lowering the bar for the rich young ruler. In fact, you never read or find in the Scripture any account when Jesus and that man ever meet again. Why? Because he wasn't committed. He failed to commit to the cause of Christ. Because that Jesus knew if you are going to follow Him, you're going to have to deny yourself. You have to be willing to lay down everything. You're going to have to take up the cross that is sometimes heavy and awkward and inconvenient. And you're going to have to follow Him. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care where you've been. 
Well, I have a past. Well, I do too. And you can look at every, just about everybody in this building and they have a past too. But the Bible says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things are which behind me, I press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God. It's a commitment to live for God. Are you willing to commit? Are you willing to give God everything? Are you willing to give Him your very life if He calls for it? Is there anybody in this place tonight that is willing to make a commitment that would step out from the pew that you're in tonight, would step out of your comfort zone and say, I'll commit. I'm willing to commit to the cause of God. Is there anybody that desires a greater passion in your life? We have passion, but there's so much more. It's your choice tonight. I can't make it for you. It's your call tonight. I can't call you. What do you want to be known for? I will tell you tonight that I want to be known as a man who is committed to God. I want to be known as a man who is passionate about the kingdom of God. I want to commit my life not to the things that are going to wither away where, the, where, the, where rust and moth doth corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal. I'm going to dedicate my life rather to something that is going to last for all eternity. I'm going to sacrifice my life for the kingdom of God. I want to be willing to give my life if He asks for it. Whatever He wants me to do. Whatever He wants me to go. I'm making a commitment right here, right now. Such as I have, God. Everything that I have, I'll give to you. Is anybody committed to the cause of Christ tonight? Will somebody lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? And would you commit that to God tonight? God, I'll do whatever you ask. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll witness to whoever you want me to witness.